most of the program officers here at Novo come from the work that we're funding out of. And so we know what it looks like. The polish isn't necessary. And we actually want to see the dents and the challenges. Hey guys, I'm Carlos Miranda, and welcome to What Donors Want, a podcast by IG Advisors. I started IG in 2011, and we're a London-based social impact strategy consultancy on a mission to bridge the gap between fundraisers, corporates, and philanthropists. At IG, we have unique access to both donors and fundraisers and want to help them better understand one another. And so we bring you What Donors Want, a fresh, dynamic, and slightly irreverent view into Major Gifts fundraising from the donor's perspective. In each episode, we'll interview a donor and get right down to it. What do they actually want from the fundraisers who cultivate them? This advice and more straight from the donor's mouth. Welcome back to What Donors Want. I'm Rachel Stephenson-Chef, and I'm a colleague of Carlos's from IG. I'm also the producer of What Donors Want, and I have been very excited for today's episode. We're about to chat with Ramatu Bangura from the Novo Foundation, one of the most progressive and impactful foundations out there, founded by Warren Buffett's son and his wife, Peter and Jennifer Buffett. Based in New York and with an annual grant-making budget of over 100 million US dollars, they fund bottom-up feminist solutions to global issues and aren't afraid to put their ideology behind their support. To paint the picture, in April 2017, they launched a $90 million initiative to support girls of color in the United States. In July 2017, in response to the current U.S. administration, they launched a $34 million Radical Hope Fund to support organizations doing bold and transformative social justice work. And they're leading the conversation amongst influential foundations when it comes to philanthropy and hashtag MeToo. We actually had the amazing opportunity to attend an event that they convened in London around that topic. It was absolutely extraordinary. I'm joined here now by Alicia, IG's Managing Director, who's going to tell us a little more about today's guest. Thank you so much, Rachel, for having me back. Uh, it feels good to be doing a double header on the show after our last DLA podcast live recording. So as Rachel said, we're about to chat with Ramatu Bangura, Novo's Program Officer for Advancing Adolescent Girls' Rights. Ramatu has had an extraordinary career and has spent the last 20 years working with and on behalf of adolescent girls around the world. We've had the pleasure of working with her at IG and are so excited to have her on the show today. Should we give her a call? Let's do it. Welcome, Ramatu, to What Donors Want. We are very, very thrilled to have you on the show today. I'm happy to be here. Really excited to participate. This is, I think this is my first official podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh, we yes. are very honored. Let's hope that. it's your best. <laughs> So as you know, we start this podcast with a very silly speed round of get to know you questions. We, we do this because we love to promote the idea that donors are also people alongside having incredible responsibility with their work. So it's, uh, you know, there's no wrong answer. Okay. It's just say the first thing that comes to your mind I'm and, ready. Uh, um, and we can see what comes out of it. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Question number one. What was the last show that you binge watched? The last show I binge watched was Queen Sugar. I caught up pretty much on the first two seasons. Now I'm behind on three more episodes. Nice. Okay, what is your favorite 90s movie? I love Color Purple because I can recite it word for word. And then I love um, Boomerang is one of my favorite movies. Yes, good choices. Definitely. Who would be your dream dinner guest? And they could be dead or alive. I'm going to pick two, both of them alive. It would be um, Erica Badu and um, Ntozake Shange. I'm coming over. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What are you making? (laughs) Um, What was the last place you traveled to? Or in fact, since we kind of know the answer to this, places Mm -hmm. that you've traveled Um, to. Mm -hmm. So the last 
places. I was I was in um in Burma in Myanmar and in Malaysia. Oh, beautiful. And what is your next dream travel destination? Well, um, I would really love to spend some time in Senegal. In my mind, the colors feel, I, I feel like there just has to be amazing colors there. What was the last book you read? Octavia Butler's, I think it's The Parable of the Sower, but I'm not, a, don't, don't quote me on that. <laughs> Coffee or tea? Coffee. Pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. Good choice. Mm, yes. Beach or snow? Beach. And finally, Brittany or Christina? Christina. Great choice. <laughs> Interesting. This one always divides the podcast, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's All right, deep breather. Pressure's off. Yeah, just oh, easy yeah. questions to follow now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, just about philanthropy and, you know, saving the world. So the second half of the podcast is now a deep dive into your work as a program officer at the Novo Foundation and everything that comes along with that. Mm. So to kick us off with that, Ramatu, as Novo's program officer for Advancing Adolescent Girls' Rights, can you give us an overview of your primary responsibilities in this role? Ooh, okay, sure. So um, my primary responsibility is to support our grantee partners, both in the global South and in the United States. And so what that means is um, I I help identify potential grantee partners. I explore with them the potential Mm -hmm. funding. Um, I make recommendations to our board, um, our grants committee um, on those, um, from those conversations with those organizations. I manage the relationship with those um, nearly 200 grantee partners funded by our Advancing Adolescent Girls' Rights Initiative, um, filled any requests related to that grant, review interim reports. um, And then I do quite a bit of um, just keeping abreast of what's going on, I think, because we don't um, tend to invite unsolicited um, proposals. We have spent a lot of time Mm -hmm. just really keeping abreast of what's going on in the field, doing reading research, um, connecting with organizations, um, understanding framing and analysis. Um, Mm -hmm. Another probably a big part of my work is we do some work around field and movement building work and and our hopes Mm -hmm. to strengthen an ecosystem um, that's feminist oriented that can support girl-centered and girl-led work in the U.S. and in the global south. Um, And then just a lot of cheerleading, a lot of hopefully encouraging emails Mm -hmm. and attending the events of our grantee partners and just making sure that they are clear about our commitment and our partnership with them. So you mentioned that, um, uh, rightly so, you don't typically accept unsolicited proposals. So there's a lot of work on your part to find the right partners. Um, Once you have uh, selected a strategic cause area or launched a fund, as the case uh, that Nova's done recently as well, what's your process for going about finding the organizations that you want to fund within that? Um, so I, th- I think the more recent calls for proposals have been actual calls for proposals. So we have invited those, but tip- that's not typically how we operate. So typically, as I said, you know, we're kind of try to stay in the mix as much as possible. People do actually reach out to us um, even, and not with a proposal, but might want to talk to us about their work. And we are, um, we have an ethos here around being very open and being willing to talk to everyone. I feel like it's, my job to talk to people. So we don't shy away from folks reaching out and just asking for a meeting. Generally, what we'll do though, is we'll do a little research before we say yes to that meeting. Just, we don't want to waste people's time if we were, it's pretty clear that it's not quite a fit, but if there's even a remote chance of a fit, we will have a meeting. Um, And then uh, what Mm -hmm. that looks like is um, 
we consider our grant process to be really relationship focused. So we spend a lot of time in conversation on the phone before we even get to a point of proposals. So there's a lot of chatting on the phone. We want to know about your work, um, what motivates you in that work, what the story is behind your organization, how you got there, um, what, what you do, um, what you don't do, how you made that distinction, um, what are you passionate about, what have you seen as big challenges, what is your analysis of the field. So we do a lot of conversation in that space. And then what we might do is ask for a concept note. And that concept note is not a proposal. It really is like there's something in our conversations that we like to get more concrete on. And we ask for a concept note. And it can be, it's generally very informal. It can be bullet points in an email. So it's not a formal process, but it may be a particular question that stems directly from our conversations um, that we want to kind of dig deeper into and want to kind of get more concrete on. And so we'll have that, we'll use that, and then we'll have additional conversations around that. And then at some point where we call like kind of a point of an alignment, we get to a point where we feel like we're aligned. We feel like this might be a great relationship. Folks are clear on kind of what our priorities are and how we approach partnership. And then at that point, we invite a proposal. And for us, we hope that by the time we've gotten to the proposal, folks are really literally able to either cut and paste for the concept note or really pull information from other proposals that they've done. Our hope is not to have that proposal be onerous because most of our grants are general operating support. We're not looking for metrics and um, and uh, log frames and things like that around what their work is. We really want to know kind of what the spirit of the work is, what your mission is, and how you see yourself going about getting there and what do you see as some of the challenges and pitfalls and what is what might this support do to bolster that work um, and so that is our primary the primary focus of the proposal um, then at that point it um, once we receive it we review it um, our grants administration team does its due diligence and just making sure that we have the information we need to get the resources out the door um, and then our board considers it and so then there's monthly meetings where our board hears about the um, proposals that we have before them and they can ask us questions and really hear from us why we think this is a great fit for Novo and then once the decision is made um, we try it's kind of hopefully it's the best part of the process, we get to send out, um, we get to play Santa every month. So we send out responses of the board and then hopefully the grants start really soon after that. So the process can be very a, sh- a very short process or it can be very long depending on kind of what it takes for us to feel like we can be in long-term partnership because most of our grants are long-term and renewable. And so we want to make sure that we can feel really strong about being in long-term um, partnership with folks and that we can be a real cheerleader and advocate for their work. So, so what is it, if you could um, kind of pinpoint uh, in these initial conversations that you're having uh, with people before they're sort of even getting to that concept note stage, are there uh, certain things that you hear from them uh, that they'll say that you kind of recognize about their work or their organization that really make them stand out for you and make you want to learn more about, about what they're doing and possibly to fund them? Um, we really uh, are very kind of ideologically values-driven. So um, we want to know what motivates your work. We're not a funder that's trying to, that's that interested in the number of people you serve. You can be a program that's reaching 5,000 girls. We support programs like that, but we also support programs that have consistently for the last 10 years served 25 girls at a time really well. And so we want to know what your um, commitment is and what you've seen in that commitment, that you're being thoughtful about that, that you 
um, approach your work from a feminist approach, even if you don't name it as such, but that we're listening for um, that you're seeing girls playing active roles in their communities as deserving of rights, as folks that already possess those rights, and that um, you're, you see you're trying to get at the root causes of what creates barriers for them rather than trying to make them more respectable. So we have there's things that we're listening for that are more ideological and values driven. Um, I think folks, if they're really interested, we take very seriously our values and we list them on our website and they are love, respect for lived experience, social justice, embracing risk, interdependence, integrity, patient partnership and radical hope. And so we take those things very seriously and there are things that those are the things that we're listening for in conversation. That's fantastic. I mean, this is a perfect segue into our next question, which is, you know, what we love about Novo so much is that you are dedicated to funding these bottom-up solutions and working with grassroots leaders and movements. But that also must mean that when you interact with these organizations, whether it's in the concept note or proposal phase, you know, they might not have the most sophisticated fundraising department like a big INGO would have. So clearly Novo's dedicated to those core values, that means that might not be the most important thing and often isn't. But as a program officer, are there any bottom lines must have from a due diligence perspective that that you need to see, whether it's from a grassroots partner or, you know, the 25 girls or the 5,000 girls? Um, I think we work with folks. So our grants administration team doesn't tend to come into the conversation until we've gotten to a point where we want to write a proposal. And so... Um, mm. We, for us, I think in conversations, we actually prefer to talk to the person that holds the vision and or whoever is closest to the work. My experience, and this may not feel good for folks, and I think goes a little contrary to um, what organizations imagine, but we have found it rare that there's a fundraising professional that can answer the questions that we're asking around vision and motivation. They can tell us what's actually happening, but very much, very little, like, we want to talk with the person that's been doing this the longest and has been learned the hard lessons and is reflective about where their work fits into broader schemes for justice. So we're not looking for compliance. Um, we're not looking for you to convince us that we are not going to steal the money because that's, that's not what we're looking for because we're looking to build trust. And so how we build trust is not necessarily through those kind of um, questions. Um, we want to know what feels difficult, what feels complicated. We want to hear that there's a degree of integrity about how you approach the work. So what hard decisions have you made about what funding you'll take, what funding you won't take, what work you will do, what, folk you, what work you won't do. So we want to know kind of what those things are. And so we, have, we do have partners where we, our primary contact is the fundraising department, but those are organizations where that fundraising department is deeply integrated in the institution. Mm -hmm. Um, and cannot, and, and very rarely is it that we found that it's someone who, you know, comes in as a contractor, which a lot of small organizations have to do because they don't have the resources to maintain a department. And, and in part, because a lot of times the fundraising departments, their, their goal is to show the organization in its most polished and successful light. And we know that the reality is the work rarely looks like that. Right. Most of the program officers here at Novo come from the work that we're funding out of. And so we we know what it looks like. The polish isn't necessary. And we actually want to see the dents and the challenges. But for basic kind of must-haves, we always are looking for a way for us to get resources to the organization, either directly or through a fiscal sponsor. And if they don't have one, we can help find one. We, we work with quite a few. We can recommend some of our other grantee partners to talk with them, to help them think, you know, to sometimes other, it's great for other organizations to talk about the pros and cons of various fiscal sponsors. So, um, 
we're happy to connect with our, with other grantee partners that can offer some advice on that. Um, we need verification that it's a charitable, charitable organization for whatever country they're in, whatever that criteria is. And what that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean that they have to be registered, but we look for some level of equivalency in that. Um, and then an ability to submit the annual mm-hmm. reports. And again, that's still up for um, support. We can, if the, if written reports are difficult or if, um, computers, like access to um, computer networks are difficult, like we, we're happy to figure out another way. We can take it by phone. Um, we can, I mean, we're just, we're open to the conversation and hope the reason why we spend so much time in conversation is we want that by the time we get to the end of that, folks feel like they can say to us, you know, that really doesn't work for me. Um, can we try something else? That's great. I think it's part of having that strong relationship on both sides that uh, not only do you trust them enough, but they trust you enough to mm-hmm. know that they can share that um, and that that's not going to penalize them in some way. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people say they want honesty from their grantees, and it's certainly something we've heard on a lot of these podcast recordings, but to really... Uh, really be open to that in a way that means that you're committed to that in the relationship, I think can be really challenging. And uh, we talked a little bit in the intro about the $34 million Radical Hope Fund uh, that Novo launched in 2017 to support marginalized communities in the wake of Trump's election. Um, through that work, but also just broadly with a lot of the work you do, you are supporting uh, work that other funders might deem too risky or too controversial to invest in. So that might be new interventions, it might be um, activists, uh, it might be movements, which can sometimes be more loosely defined or kind of bordered. Um, How does risk, uh, if risk does factor into your decisions, how does it factor into your decision-making processes? Is it something you find attractive? Is it something you even consider? I think the question of risk is really an interesting one. Um, I... I don't, I don't, as long as I didn't know, I've been at Novo three years. I don't think I've ever heard of anyone talk about a risky grant without using air quotes. I mean, I think we have a strong commitment to believing that the folks that are closest to the problem need to be driving a solution. And so that's not risky for us. Yeah. So yeah. we want to support the folks that are closest. And sometimes the, the risk for us, I guess, where I've heard risky is really around like, values alignment, but then we wouldn't make a grant where we didn't feel like there was some values alignment. It's not risky to fund people that are closest to the problem. That's actually the surest bet. And I think it's up to our institutions to be malleable enough to figure out what it means to support them. If what what was set out didn't happen in the way that I guess folks planned it, that's a conversation. Um, That's new learning. That's reassessing. That is not a failure. So it's, there's not a, risk in the same way. I think it's just so sensational that Novo's doing that. Our next question for you is not necessarily to do with risk, but when identifying and, and working with organizations and deciding who to fund, has there ever been an instance when an organization has knocked it out of the park so much in terms of how they've engaged with you, in terms of how aligned their values are, that you've decided to make a slightly more unusual, quote unquote, grant <laughs> rather than risky, but something that's a little bit, you know, left field or outside of the scope of what you were imagining? I, I first I must say all of our grantees hit it out of the park all of them I think just by existing and sustaining um I think that's a as a, as a yeah. movement funder I mean we hope that we're the first ones you come to when you have that unusual idea and we tell our grantee partners all the time use the novo funds in this broader landscape of your funding profile use our funds to try something new if all of your other grants are project oriented or all of them are restricted mm-hmm. in a particular way use our funds to try the experimental thing 
I think generally that's how we approach yeah. that. I mean, for project grants, what we're looking for is when you've had to adjust along the way, what have those adjustments been? Um, how have you responded to your community, to your constituency? How are you accountable to the folks that you're working for and hearing from and working um, with and how are you hearing from them? So even a program that looks, meets on paper, every single checkbox of the things that they set out, we're still going to ask you those questions. How are you accountable? Who are you accountable to? What did you learn? How did you readjust and reframe? Like we want to still know that um, even in the most successful projects. Um, and so we try really hard not to lay and wait for our partners to succeed or fail but hope that they'll do both. We know that they'll do both and that it's our pleasure to learn with them as they do that. And so we invite folks to, as you're having um, success to let us know so we can celebrate you and support you and lift your work up to our other grantee partners and to other funders. And as things are difficult, that you also connect with us so that we can be in thought partnership with you or connect you to other grantee partners who struggle, who we know have struggled through some similar challenges and they can, you know, you all can, um, be in community. And Ramacha, I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you as a team of grant makers at Novo do measure success, your success, um, and the success of your grantees. So you mentioned accountability and being held accountable, um, ensuring that the uh, voices of the people that they are accountable to are being included. You know, we hear from our clients, from our listeners of this podcast, that one of their biggest challenges um, is trying to measure impact in a way that is palatable uh, to donors or incentivizing for donors. Um, so, so how do you uh, kind of, you know, do you sit down and say, have we been successful? Why or why not? As a team of uh, program officers and grant makers at Novo with your grantees, how do those discussions actually happen? Because I think um, when you do get a funder who's willing to say, yes, we're not going to make you track your metrics the same way that everybody else does. I think people's next question is, okay, well, how, how do you know if you're succeeding or not? We support our partners to develop the tools that are right for them for their learning. I think so, so often monitoring and evaluation is reporting to, um, how do you report to funders the impact of your work? Um, we want to hear the impact of your work. We want to hear it in the language that you need it. So if you're collecting data, I hope that that data is useful for you. Um, and that's kind of most important. And then you can tell us how, what you're learning from that. So we're not going to sit down and come up with an evaluation and learning mechanism together for your work because it's your work. And, and if you're doing the work well, you have to evaluate, you have to learn, and you have to track your progress. And so we've many of our partners will come to us like, I really need it. We need a stronger evaluation and learning tool. And then we'll support them to either find consultants that can do that or other institutions that can do that to help them figure that out. But we want them, we don't have a hand in it because they're purpose is not to report that back to us. It's actually an extremely sensible <laughs> approach. Yeah, it is. Um, and and uh, kind of based okay. in common sense. Uh, I'm, I'm throwing an, an off <laughs> yes. question in here, Go but um, given all the different elements of your uh, your job and the challenges that are inherent in it, what, what it, would you say is the single mm. most challenging thing about your job? Um, it's both the best thing and the most challenging thing. I think relationships are hard work in any setting. Mm -hmm. um, and they require constant cultivating. And a lot of, we also have a lot of grantee partners and we support a lot of work. And so the attention to the relationships is um, it's very time consuming and needs time. And so I think sometimes where we are, where it might be frustrating for yeah. us is that maybe the trust isn't being built at the pace that we want it to be. And so I always have to kind of check that like, 
folks, it's going to take the time it takes. So that's hard because we don't live in a world where time is in abundance um, and Mm -hmm. people and time is such a luxury and a privilege for folks um, that should just be reminded of that. I think the other piece, I think particularly in our work in the global South, I think the ways that the development industry has evolved is, um, I think, really disempowering to folks that are doing the work at community levels. And so sometimes a lot of our trust building is really just trying to unpack and undo the power dynamics that the development field has created. You know, people will send us, for example, pages upon pages of evaluations and RCTs um, from their work um, when really we just want to talk to the person with the vision. We're not as... um, as interested in that at the outset. I think we're interested in it as we get to be in relationship, but not definitely not at the outset. Um, and so folks just don't have the space to really dream and conceive of things. And so when we say, like, we want to know really what you dream of doing if you had the resources, that's a, that takes a lot longer than you would imagine. You would think that if someone said that, you'd be like, yes, absolutely. But to tr- they, they have to be able to trust that we mean it. They have to be able to trust that we're not going to penalize them for that. We're not going to tell them they're off mission. Or, um, But we really want to know if you had the space to have big dreams for your work in your community, what would that look like? Um, and that conversation can be three to four phone calls in before mm-hmm. we actually get what feels like an authentic response. I mean, it sounds like you have such fantastic, really healthy relationships with your grantees, even if the trust takes a little bit of time to to build and but that you have the patience for that is so fantastic. Um, and we're wondering, can you describe your dream grantee and what would make them so excellent? First, I say all of our grantee partners are our dream grantee partners. Um, we love them. We really do kind of love mm-hmm. them all. Um, but I think for us, like... Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> that... Uh, Grantee partners that have a deep sense of accountability. We want to hear, I needed to go back and check with. I, uh, we ask a question and they tell us, well, no, we need more time. We have to go be accountable to some people before we come to you with a response. That is just mm. wonderful. It's like music to our ears. I think girls, work where girls are centered, especially particularly for our, our initiative, where girls are center and central and um, driving, just driving the work. Um, in every way and whether it's girl-led work or work that just is hearing from girls and accountable to girls at every level and every stage um, is just some of the most exciting work Um, we've we have partners that are doing like have girls as as, like literally newspaper reporters and they're documenting instances of sexual violence in their lives and and that is work that where girls are just they're driving an agenda um, and and mm-hmm. that's always just dreamy and exciting. Um, folks that like really um, or organizations that are thinking creatively about how to bring in the lived experiences of the folks that um, they work with, one, to just deepen their work, but also to strengthen their analysis. Grantee partners that will keep us accountable to their movements and are being critical and supportive. So that will say to us, you know, you all didn't show up in the way that we hoped you would. Or we need you to show up in a particular way that as a funder, this is what you, we need you to be doing. And that have um, that we've been in partnership with such for enough time that they feel really confident and comfortable in doing that. I think those are our favorite partnerships. Um, and we'll, who, that are strategic about utilizing us. We know that as funders, we, there carries a certain, certain amount of power. Um, we want 
our, we want to we want to be in, in community and strategy with our grantee partners on like how can we utilize that power and those and that bully pulpit to um, to drive and drive our movement and then creatively approaching old problems with really bold and unapologetic ideas like we just I think um, the amount of courage that it takes to just step out there and try something that is not in anyone's toolkit or guidebook or curriculum guide. And to really be bold in that is like, we were generally behind them. Like, yes, yes, do that. We want to see that. Like be this time that we're in just requires so much more of us. And so, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, we just, we want to see, we want to see and be engaged with folks that are like thinking big and bold um, and, and sometimes dangerously. Um, but yeah, that's exciting. I, I think part of the reason Rachel and I and the rest of the team are such fangirls about oh what you gosh. do is because we we work Seriously. we work with a lot of donors and we know uh, how uh, logistically challenging it is to fund the way that you fund yeah. the time uh, and effort extra effort that it takes yeah. um, to engage in that way. Um, and you know, you you've said on this podcast that you spend so much time kind of building those relationships, that you want to see successes as well as failures, that you commit long-term. Can you think of an instance, um, or has there been an instance where uh, someone, uh, or not uh, not a person necessarily, but an organization has um, done something that has made Novo not want to commit additional funding, or, um, you know, I, I don't want to call it a mistake necessarily, but but really a kind of watch out or, or anything that really just has caused you to pull back, um, even when you spent all that time and effort building that relationship um i think when that has happened it's it's happened relatively rarely but when it has happened it's oh it tends to be ideological we've had grantee partners where you know we have a commitment to um, reproductive rights and justice for girls for example and we find out that maybe their piece of their work is not reflecting that um or the right. way that they're maybe engaging with folks that they're supposedly supporting is not ethical. So it really is about like values have shifted or even, but even in those instances, what I will say is that it's, it's such a long conversation before that we'll offer like, how can you, how can we support you in strengthening that piece of your work? So the question is never like you fix this or and or funding ends. It generally is something happens, something shifted, whether it's like new leadership or I don't know. Sometimes organizations grow really fast. That's been a lot of what we've seen is that organizations grow really, really fast and they haven't figured out how to inculcate those values that started the organization throughout the organization. And mm-hmm. so then things happen. And, but even with that, it's like, okay, well, what do you, what needs to happen now? What, what do you, what support do you need? As long as these are still your values, how do you get them throughout the organization? What do we need to do to support you in that? So we've supported grantee partners and doing like a hard assessment of something, you know, something terrible happens in the organization and okay, so you need to have a cold, steely eyed evaluation of what happened so that then you can plan mm-hmm. from that. And so we'll support our partners in doing that. So it, it still is very ideological. It's still very like value centric. And so in most cases, we're able to kind of continue the partnership, but just maybe looking at it differently or figuring out like there might be need to be some different supports um, where it's just like, you know, we're not going to come to this. We're not going to come to a place of alignment. Then we think about, okay, how do we transition out? We don't do abrupt endings. 
Mm-hmm. There might be a transition grant or like just a way to transition out of the partnership uh, because we know once we enter into these long-term partnerships, folks depend on these resources. And so if we have to end the relationship, it just, it's such a gradual process. It takes takes a good long time to kind of transition out. Right. That's so wonderful, though, that you're so thoughtful about that and so committed to your core values that you're willing to make those decisions and transitions. I think Alicia said it correctly when she said that we're fangirls. Oh. It's just absolutely extraordinary, the work that you do you. and the, the causes and the approaches that you're committed to. So I think just finally, I mean, if what is, you know, for listeners and listeners are fundraisers, they're organizations, they're grassroots leaders from a, but from that, you know, quote unquote fundraising perspective, whoever it is in the organization that is engaging with someone like Novo or perhaps a different foundation, what is the one key thing that you would want them to take away from this conversation? I'd say, I just, I, um, these are really extraordinary times we're living in and I, and I, say that with also the respect and understanding that so many of our people and our communities have been living under repressive regimes for mm-hmm. longer than we currently are. And so as a program officer, I think we're constantly looking like how to, how to not just support work, but people. And we want to, I want to hear as your program, like, how, how is this challenging? Are you, are you sleeping? Um, what supports are in your, on your team? What are you all doing for joy? What are you doing for healing? Um, how are you t- obtaining and sustaining yourselves in these really hard convers- hard spaces? How are you building community? And how are we making sure that we're not leaving any behind, anyone behind? That I think that times like this, yeah. folks kind of bear down in their communities and they, you know, like we, we got to save our own. And But how do we make sure that we're thinking about this across movements? And how do we make sure that we're supporting a bigger vision, like kind of keeping our eye on the ball. In some way, for a lot of our partners, um, it's just keep doing the work you're doing. And, and sometimes it is the brand new big idea, but sometimes you just need to be able to exist because your your mere existence creates space for somebody else. And so sometimes you don't need to do that. We don't need to hear that, you know, you have a new scheme for fixing the world. Even though if you do, please share it. Um, but that, that you shouldn't feel pressure to have that be the threshold by which you seek out support and funding. Oh my goodness. That I, is... think, I think Rachel's <laughs> melted into a puddle on the floor now. I think I am officially a puddle. <laughs> I just, I think what you do is absolutely extraordinary. It is such an honor to have you on the show. And I hope that listeners, oh, I know they will be very inspired to hear the perspective of funders like you that are so thoughtful and so inclusive and aren't afraid to be radical and feminist and intersectional. And it's just completely fantastic. So, oh, thank you. Thank you so much (laughs) for your time, for your honesty with us and with our audience. I think um, uh, it's been a real privilege to have you. So thank you. Completely. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for being my first podcast. Maybe my last, but I'll I'll take it. Not not even. I think they're going to be banging down the door for a future recording. I know. You're going to have to take this on the road. You're going to need an agent probably. (laughs) Take care, you guys. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you. You too. Thanks for listening to another episode of What Donors Want. And a huge thank you to Ramatu for her generous time and advice. After I clean up the Rachel puddle on the floor, (laughs) uh, we also want to send a shout out to the organizations who have reached out to give us feedback and ask questions. Thank you guys. Yeah, I actually want to send a special shout out to the charity Scope that sent me an email saying they recently had a listen and learn with their fundraising team. You make us feel very snazzy. If you have any other questions you'd like us to ask our next guest, or you want to find out more about IG, we would love 
love to hear from you. You can check us out online at impactandgrowth.com. Say hello to us on Twitter. Our handle is at IG underscore advisors or grab a coffee with us in London, uh, maybe two or three. (laughs) We have an incredible lineup of donors confirmed through the autumn. So stay tuned for a brilliant season ahead. Thanks again for listening. See you soon.